Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Hello, welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how's your week been? Yeah, busy. Uh, we, I think we're all very busy right now on the Football Grad Network, aren't we? Because um, major deals, major transfers. Uh, Chris, of course, who covered the Cater story uh, quite closely. Then we had Yamolenko to Dortmund breaking, um, got a little bit of an inside scoop on that one. And then, um, of course, two days left to the transfer window. We are recording on Thursday, gegen pressing special, aren't we, Bryce? So I feel like um, it's been breathless this week, constantly. I mean, that's that's basically the reality right now for us, isn't it? Yeah, normally you would see um, you a, a, a World Cup uh international break or whatever a world cup you would normally find that there'd be a, a little bit of a, a calmness you would imagine mm. wouldn't you but uh that's not been the case i mean there's plenty of previews going out on the football grad network um obviously we're talking about the the coming games like we did uh, you know we talked about the the german national side on the giga pressing pod but um yeah this transfer deadline day as well uh looming is causing a, a lot of uh a lot of work, will we say, for, for the likes of our folk reporting on podcasts, uh, articles, and Twitter and all that, isn't it? So um, no doubt after uh, after Thursday night, midnight, I'm sure everyone uh, you know, similar to us will be breathing a sigh of relief. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And you know what? It's, it's odd because you mentioned the international break. I feel like the season's just started, right? I mean, in Mexico, we're, we're lucky that the two of us will cover Liga MX, um, aside from from the Bundesliga, which is our other main focus, so that's at least been going on for some time. But I feel like you know the season is just kicking off, and now we're going on this really odd international break. I'm I'm not a fan, not at all. I wish that date could could be sometimes in October, um, maybe schedule it a little bit differently and have the game so it doesn't break up this time of the year because it's it's. I mean, when you look outside, it's still beautiful out, right? And you, you want your club teams to play. You want to see as much of your club teams playing until, you know, um, at least if you're in Europe, get snowed in. So I'm, yeah, I'm not sure uh, about, about this break, but it is what it is, right? So we're, we're going to, yeah, well, we're going to do our well, best to cover it. Well, even in saying that, I mean, Mexico, I mean, how much did, did they play over the summer? You know, they, they featured in two major competitions didn't they and yeah. I, I, I just had a look there as well because I was thinking when was their last game 24th of July I mean <laughs> you know and two that, tournaments too right the Confed yeah. Cup and the the Gold Cup I mean you said last part that they've been basically like a club team yeah and they very much have I mean 
I'm, I'm looking at the fixtures, and good lord, they played a lot. It'd be interesting actually to count up all the fixtures that they played in 2017 because it's it's been colossal. They, I mean, they they had one squad in one place, one squad in another. You know, the, I suppose they're in a fortunate position that they can do that, where some smaller nation wouldn't be able to. But but yeah, it's been relentless for them, and. Uh, well, following uh, Osario as well. I mean, I I did a preview for the upcoming game, didn't I? For uh, for Mexico versus Panama coming up on Saturday, and uh, you know, the first preview I've done, uh, which I, I quite enjoyed doing it actually uh, and researching into it. But then I was I, I was going pretty well in the scan down, and it said predicted lineup. And when it comes to Osario, I mean, where do you begin with the predicted lineup? I mean, I, does he even know what his uh, best lineup is? I I really don't know. Yeah, I don't think, I think, you, you look at the squad, um, there's a lot of choice there. And we know that he likes to rotate. We also know that where they're standing in World Cup qualifying, they're pretty much true. I just saw a statistic. Um, one of the stats guys from the United States has, has done the calculations on, on the likelihood of teams going through. And Mexico was at 99.9% going through to the World Cup. I, I think, um, you know, Osari can pretty much field whoever he wants and they will go through. But uh, to go real quickly back to uh, the amount of games they have played, Bryce, they had 20 games um, already played uh, in 2017 and they have four games left. So they're going to have 24 games played by the <laughs> time the year is over, which is, you know, there is European leagues where you only have 24 games. Um, yeah, so, yeah. That that's less than the likes of say, um, well, well, I I don't know if you look at the likes of maybe Atlas, you know, who may not get into like you know, like yeah, you know, that that's less than what they're going to play this uh, this you know campaign. I mean, I, I mean, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's it's, it's you know, there's not many times that you, you, your national side will play that often, um, and it, I I feel that you know they he's he's left uh, a lot of questions unanswered i think with the competitions the the world cup qualification is the only one that seems to be bang on uh you know a, a bit of a dead search i mean the other competitions seem to yeah i suppose raise more questions uh, than it did answers uh but yeah they're, they're bound to they're bound to qualify through this i mean sitting on 14 points costa rica 11 usa eight the top three go through but then you've got panama you know sitting in fourth with seven I would be very surprised if Mexico didn't make that uh, that top three. But um, do you want to explain? Um, a, a lot of people will probably go to look into this, and they'll be a little bit confused about um, you know the background to the hex, as it's called. Could you explain exactly what the hex is for, like, me, anyone else that wouldn't know, or you know, that maybe are based in another part of the world? Yeah, so the hex. That's what we call it in this region, the CONCACAF. It's technically the 2018 FIFA World Cup qualification CONCACAF fifth round. Uh, that's because there's five rounds before, um, to, to, before the stage to get rid of all these, uh, smaller, mostly Caribbean teams and Canada. Traditionally, Canada does not make the hex. Um, they traditionally always mess up just before getting into the hex. So, um, it's all getting rid of all the Caribbean nations and traditionally Canada. Um, and that makes up the six top countries of the CONCACAF who play essentially what is, um, three direct World Cup spots. 
and an inter-confederation playoff spot. Um, so the, the fourth place team will face off against a team from, um, the AFC, the fifth place spot from AFC. So this is the Asian Football Confederation. And, um, so you basically, what it is, it's three and a half World Cup spots. And, uh, in recent years, I believe the, um, the, the CONCACAF team has traditionally gone through, uh, Mexico was in the inter playoffs for the, 2014 World Cup and only thanks to the United States, um, something that's been a thorn on the side of, of Mexico for quite some time. They don't really like hearing that because the, the, the United States got the result that Mexico needed to basically advance, uh, to, to finish fourth and get through. Um, but, you know, traditionally, reaching one of the top four spots out of a group of six is quite easy for teams like Mexico and the United States. And, and in recent, in recent times, uh, Costa Rica has joined them as a powerhouse of this region. Costa Rica is a very strong football country. Um, I was very fortunate that I was able to go down there last year and, um, you know, do some work down there for, for an organization. And, um, they have very, very good football infrastructure. For the size of the country, it's um it's a very strong football country, very good league um as well. Surprisingly, um you know there's some some very good clubs that play there and there some very strong teams that do very well in the Concacaf Champions League as well. So they they have really established themselves as the the number three in, in terms of not just the national team but as a football country and. You know, some of that is due to the Valve. So, you know, those three teams, uh, and you see that when you look at the standing and when you look at the statistic and it's the uh, power, the Concacaf final round standings, and it's according to Soccer Power Index, um, Mexico has a 99.99% chance of going through. Costa Rica has a 94% chance of going through. And the United States has a 92% uh, chance of going through. So, I mean, that, that explains it. But yeah, this is the... The final round uh, of World Cup qualifying, and um, it's a World Cup qualifying stage that I would one day like to witness uh, with the Canadian national team because it's it's a lot of fun. It's very good football. Yeah, very much so, and I th- I think it, it's it's a fairly exciting uh, qualification group. Really, you know, there's a lot of interesting sides in there, isn't there? But um, unfortunately, at you know, for entertainment values at at this uh, stage, it's uh, well, all but concluded almost. Uh, I mean, I don't don't want to sound negative for anyone tuning in thinking that, you know, maybe uh, Panama, like Panama or Honduras may stand a chance, but it's, uh, it would take a bit of a miracle, I think. Um, but yeah, let, let's uh, slightly talk um, about uh, the Mexico side uh, going to face uh, Panama and then Costa Rica. Um, the, I've done a bit of a preview for a, uh, uh, football grab, may I say, uh, but um, they seem to have a real concern at the moment as they have no fullbacks uh, available, which um, I kind of uh, originally, I seen that there's a few articles wrote online and that, but it was when I looked through the squad and I was like, okay, he's a centre-back, he's a centre-back, he's a centre-back, he's a, and then eventually I went, Okay, they they may have to uh, do something about this. So I, I would imagine that Osario will probably uh, go from uh, every previous games he's played four at the back, and maybe on this occasion they'll they'll switch it around and play three at the back. I don't know whether we'll see the likes of uh, Jonathan Dos Santos uh, maybe take up a bit of a wing back uh, position. 
um, setting a little bit deeper than what he normally would, uh, I would say that that might be the case. Uh, and then Aquinas on, on the other side, because um, he's he's done that role uh, a few times uh, for them as well. So I would say that we'll probably be looking at a 3-4-3, a three, three. Um, and I would say that probably the uh, usual suspects uh, will probably be, uh, be joining them up top um, in that Vela. Uh, will be there. And I've said that, uh, well, Bella and Chicharito, uh, but one man that I think has really staked a claim uh, in recent weeks is Chucky Lozano. Uh, he's he's made a, a, a fantastic start, may I say, to his uh, PSV career. Um, I mean, we, we obviously know him very well from his uh, time at Liga MX last year, don't we, man? Are you the most foiled man in the league? But he was a very explosive player. He likes to cut in from from the left um, onto his right foot and really rifle a goal. And he seems to be doing that in Holland as well. Um, it, it Obviously, it's very early days, but it looks like a, a really bright future for him. And it looks like it, it was a, a step in the right direction for his career. We, we also talked uh, about how... Um, Liga MX and maybe Eredivisie, you know that they're they're quite good stepping stones. They're both attacking leagues. They're they're talented both leagues, but uh, I th- I think it's uh, it it makes a lot of sense rather than maybe going to the likes of uh, La Liga, which is uh, maybe a, maybe a step too far. That would probably be the step that would come after this. But yeah, Chucky Lozano, three three games he's now played for them. Uh, first game, man of the match and a goal. Second one was in the cup. Uh, I believe he scored in that one as well, and then. Uh, Second league game, another goal. I mean, this one less fabulous than the last one. He kind of cut in, was there at the back post to tap in. But um, you got to be in the right place at the right time, and you'll pick up these pieces. So Chucky hasn't always uh, been in the starting eleven uh, for uh, Osario. But you know, if, if there's if there's a man in form and has uh, went about it the right way in previous weeks to get into that starting eleven, yeah, you know, it's it's definitely uh, Chucky at the mo- moment. Manu. Um, I mean, it's been a hell of a start for him, hasn't it? I mean, we've kind of said that in recent weeks, but he just keeps continuing on with that form. Yeah, and he's a, he's a popular man over in the Netherlands. So, you know, we we, we suspected that he would do well in, in Europe. Um, we were kind of surprised at first when he was heading to, um, to PSV because we thought he would end up with uh, Celta Vigo, right? Because that's... Um, Pachuca have kind of like this this um, deal in place with them, so we thought that's where he was gonna go. But yeah, you know, he's, maybe the Netherlands is a better place. And um, we talked about this a bit last week too that PSV is a smart decision for young players um, from Latin America to go to. You know, most famously um, Ronaldo, the real Ronaldo. He went, uh, he went and played at, uh, PSV for some time and, um, you know, really became a household name before, you know, he moved on to Barcelona. And, um, that's the, the kind of club, you know, they're, they're very good at developing players and, um, moving them through and also integrating them. And, um, there is, of course, you know, a bit of a culture shock. The Netherlands is a very different place than, than uh, Mexico, but it's it's a very good place. I mean, I lived in the Netherlands myself. I've played football in the Netherlands myself. It's it's a country that's um, infrastructure-wise is one of the best in the world. It's uh, a country where footballing-wise, 
maybe still has the best education that you can get. Um, the coaches there are on every level are very good. And, um, it's, it's a place where you, where you really learn how to play football and you take the next step. And it's a very professional place too, in terms of football development. So I think personally, I always thought it, it's a very, very good place for him to go to, but you know, he's, he's in the squad, obviously, but Bryce, uh, Pizarro isn't, um, that's a bit of a surprise, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Um, I, I think he's, oh, well, I think we, we both uh, agree, don't we, that, you know, he's, he's a hell of a, a talent and, and his form is, is strong at the moment. Uh, the only thing is, I suppose, maybe you know, his club side aren't really doing the best, are they, in, in Chivas? You know, a bit underperforming, uh, at the moment. They, they've only, uh, you know, well, they're, they're yet to pick up a win yet, you know, in the league. But, you know, he is one of the, the shining stars, one of the bright lights of, of that side at the moment. And yeah, very, very surprised by that. You know, I, I, I think he'll be a, a little bit disappointed, uh, by that and a little bit surprised. I mean, he's, he's 23. You know, he, he's got, he's got plenty of time in his career, but yeah, he's, he's been playing really well. Um, I, I, I'm a bit baffled by that. I think that was probably the first surprise, uh, or biggest surprise, what we say, um, you know, in the squad, you know, that, that he wasn't included. I mean, Manu, you, you must be just a, equally a surprise, right? Yeah, I am. You know, I thought that maybe it's because of the, the problems that Chiba have at the moment. I mean, we'll want to talk about that a little bit further down, but, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit baffled about it. I, I think when you, when you, when you look at some of the reactions in the press, there's a lot of bafflement about the fact that he's, hasn't been, um, chosen. Um, and he could have taken Giovanni dos Santos's place, right? Um, yeah, because, you know, Giovanni dos Santos only has picked up reading this right now. He's only picked up, uh, one assist and zero goals, um, since the, they played the U.S. national team. Um, and Pizarro has been a lot better. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's an odd one, but Osorio, it, it be, Osorio, it Osorio. To, yeah, it must be done for the club. Uh, well, the, just the club performances. I mean, I've, I've, I still think he's, he's been pretty strong to be fair. Um, I get a little bit baffled by that. I mean, yeah, I think that he may be frustrated. Um, at Jesus Corona being called into the squad again, though in, in saying that the Porto winger uh, did score um, against Braga in his last appearance, uh, so he, he is in a bit of a rich vein of form at the moment. He's he's you know, played four games for uh, Porto this um, the, you know, the start of the season and featured highly obviously for them last year, but he withdrew himself in the in the last few games uh when he was called up uh claiming it was uh, for family reasons but apparently it was a little bit hazy on uh, why he was um excluding himself um uh, i think there's quite a few question marks over that since he seems to have just um walked back into the side the only thing is he is on good form so you know it's it's hard to then argue against that one uh but yeah why why pizarro's not in the side well, only only Os- Osario will know, and um, it, it's it's hard to predict what's going on in his head at the best of times. If I'm being honest, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, do do you see Panama 
you know, maybe causing an upset in this game at all? Oof. Mm, that's a good question. I mean, I've seen Panama and, um, they are a very difficult team to play in Panama. And uh, maybe a bit of background. It's another one of those, um, CONCACAF, the, the hex, um, the, it's a very difficult group to play because especially some of the smaller countries in, in Central America, they, they bring out all the stops to make life difficult for the away side. I'm talking fireworks in front of hotels and, you know, um, buses missing the airport and, uh, traffic jams caused so that you wouldn't get there in time <laughs> and, uh, referees that, uh, only seem to be a little neutral and, uh, it's, it's, it's wild. It's really wild, but this game is at the Azteca, right? So I know. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think if you I, would, if you go down to Panama, that's a very difficult place to play. Uh, Costa Rica in Costa Rica is difficult to play. The United States lost 4-1 there. Um, I know that even though that's now the new stadium in Costa Rica, the old stadium, the Sabrisa, that place was a cauldron. Uh, in fact, um, a little anecdote, the Saprisa, when you stand on the stands, it's, it's two very high concrete stands on each side. And they seem to almost float in the air. And when the people bounce up and down, the entire stadium swings. You can feel the stadium underneath your feet swinging. And, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a reason why they build a new stadium in that city. But, um, it's, you know, you, you play in places like that and they, they don't look huge in capacity. Honduras is another very difficult place to play. Um, you know, I was for, fortunate and unfortunate at the same time. I was supposed to go down there and, um, do, uh, cover Canada against Honduras. I ended up not going because it's, um, almost, it's, it's the murder rate in some of the cities in Honduras are higher than in Afghanistan. So, you know, it's not a safe place to go. Um, and the stadiums there are explosive. So, you know, there's, there's a few, few of those places where you go. Uh, it's very difficult to play, but, um, this game is in Mexico City. So, um, you know, the Azteca will be full. The Azteca will be loud. And I'm pretty sure Mexico will annihilate Panama. Yeah. My preview, I give it a, well, a rather kind 2 0 to Mexico. I could see it being higher than that. But um, the fact that they're all but qualified in Mexico, I, th- I thought maybe they, they won't have the urgency that they would normally have, maybe. Uh, I think the second game over the weekend uh, for them, you know, coming up against uh, Costa Rica in Costa Rica, mm. that'll be more of a challenge. I mean, Costa Rica are sitting in second. Maybe Costa Rica will have it in their heads that they want to finish first. Uh, but I think most importantly, they will be thinking that they want to obviously confirm their qualification, but but probably finish above the USA. I think that would be a, a fantastic achievement for them. Um, that so might that be the be... Football Grad Network game to watch, actually, of all the, all the games that we're covering. That might be the one that you should tune into. That should be a very good game, yeah. uh, I feel. The only thing is... Uh, I suppose Mexico could take their foot off slightly, but if they draw to Panama, for example, you know, if Panama can hold them to a draw, maybe, you know, that'll just open things up a little bit. You know, you'd, you you might see the likes of, you know, 15 points to 14 points, you're at the top of that group, and all of a sudden that gets pretty interesting, doesn't it? So, um, and uh, Costa Rica would love nothing more than to top the group. So I, I think that that, that will be a, a closer 
up there than than Mexico versus uh, Panama. If I'm if I'm being honest, uh, but yeah, let's um, let's uh, just see how that one plays out. I, I think we've covered El Tre uh, versus Panama and Costa Rica. Let's uh, let's move on a little bit. I think uh, we're gonna have to move to the Liga MX, aren't we? Um, mm. Let's talk about your side. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pumas uh, have not been very good <laughs> this campaign. They were not very good in the close era. Uh, it, it's been a while since we've seen them play well. I and you also spoke about how we liked uh, Palencia, but it, it just wasn't working for him, was it? And I didn't. I message you straight after I, I seen the results um, against uh, Morelia, mm. and I said that's it, that that will be it. And right enough, it, it was. And yeah, it was very much a, a matter of, of of when rather than if, wasn't it? Um, which is a shame. It is, uh, but you know the writing was very much on the wall. I'm surprised though because they signed Marcelo Diaz, right, and they didn't really give him a chance. To to experiment with Marcelo Diaz in the squad. And I thought that they would maybe, you know, because it, the, the, the side, the side was a one man show and still is a one man show with just Nico Castillo, who we all love because he's a fantastic player. He's maybe the best striker in the league right now, right? Because he carries the team on his shoulders and there isn't much else. And they brought in Marcelo Diaz to, to basically support them and bring in some leadership and, um, help the team overcome this issue or the problems that are currently going on. And I remember when we talked about uh, the result and I said to him like, no, they're going to give him one game with Marcelo Diaz and see how that goes. And um, I think the next message I got from you is uh, they fired Palencia. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's that. Um, it's, but you know, it's, it is tricky. Maybe they, they figured that it's time for like, a new beginning, right? To, um, set up the side differently, bring with, even with the signing of Marcelo Diaz to, to change things up a little bit, um, with a new head coach. Now we don't really know who is going to be, um, the new head coach. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. It, this, the side is run, of course, by an interim right now. Um, so yeah, a, a bit up in the air. I'm, I'm curious to see actually, uh, what's going to happen to Palencia um, because I'm pretty sure he will have a future in the league. He's very talented. He's a very good coach. And um, I'm pretty sure that someone pretty soon will pick him up because obviously there was issues, but you can't really blame him for, for lack of squat depth. Yeah, that that's it. Uh, Palencia will have a, a bright future ahead of him, I feel. Uh, I think probably the best thing for him. I mean, go and get more experience. You know, it's it might be you dropped down to senior, but that that's fine. I th- I think you know working your way up like that, gaining experience is only going to be a good thing. I mean, it's all very well when you picked up a system, you know, or figured out a system as, as a coach, you know, that that can help you win. But then when things turn. Sometimes it's very hard to get out of that rut, you know, to lift your players and uh, to come up with another solution. Uh, unfortunately, he was unable to do that at Puma, and uh, I feel that he needs to go to a club and almost work 
on that. You know, we we see it all around the world, don't we? Where where coaches all of a sudden you know, get figured out, and it's how you react to that um, and well problem solve to that. I th- I think, and I think that'll be something that um, he needs to go uh, and do. So it will be interesting to see where he he appears again because he he's young. He he, mm. he he should have a, a quite a few more years in him. Um, so I hope this hopefully this doesn't damage his uh, reputation and his uh, well maybe his, his confidence. You know, in going to pick up other jobs. You know, so it it it, it should be an exciting one. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, Pumas uh, couldn't even get to uh, winning ways this weekend either. Yeah. I mean. That is the irony of it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, you, you look at um, interim coach um, is uh, former Argentina central defender mm. um, Sergio Egia. I think that's what yeah. it's pronounced. Egia. Um, but yeah, he you know he's he's got plenty of uh, coaching experience, but um, yeah, it, it seemed like I, I I I caught the game. You caught the game, mm. and it it was it was dire, wasn't it? I mean. Oof. It was the worst of the, yeah. all the games that we've seen of Pumas. I would say that oh. probably was the worst. We it just... wasn't. Interestingly enough, I, I decided to, um, which you'll see in my uh, uh, coming out to my Liga MX uh, my numbers um, uh, uh, article this week. I, I actually looked at the the average player position in Palencia's last few games uh, you know, before this, and yes, it was Sergio Gia's uh, first game in charge. And I, I point out on there that maybe in the first game in charge, he just wanted to stop the rut. He, he wanted to, you know, get a point on the board, stop the the losses. Um, and he actually, the player position that he played was very, very narrow, really narrow. Uh, they were quite deep uh, and there was virtually no one on the wings. Uh, this is obviously a one-off. Will he play like this for the rest of the campaign? Probably not, no. But um, it, it was... It was as negative shape as I've seen from Pumas. We all know that Palencia like to play a, a rather direct uh, way of play, but I mean, even even at his roughest times, there was more positives than there were in this game. And not not to take away from Veracruz, they will take a one nil win, uh, but they didn't have to try very hard to do it. They got the goal, more or less shut up shop, and Pumas just didn't offer anything. And Veracruz aren't a good well. That's unfair. They have been pretty decent this year, but you know they're not a team that will blow you out of the water. You know they're not one of those super exciting teams that we have in the league. Um, nope. They are playing for survival. We're going to touch on that in a moment too. But it's it's a beatable side. That's what I think. And you know they, they uh, I I'm not sure, but you know they they brought they have Nico Castillo, of course. They brought in Marcelo Diaz. They now fired the coach. Uh, you know they they can't they have basically done two out of the three things that need to be done they have added more leadership to the squad and they have fired a coach now of course if Egea is going to be the the solution long term that remains to be seen but we have two days left in this transfer window I think there needs to be something done you know they need they need a creative midfielder um, they need maybe even two creative midfielders, to be honest. You know, they need another striker to support uh, Castillo because without Castillo, they're dead in the water. So I, I think there's, they need to go out shopping. They need to bring in some players and just revitalize that squad because 
the way it is right now, that is not a team that's going to be competitive in this league. No, I don't think they're going to be competitive. But if we talk about Veracruz, Veracruz are a side that are beatable, as you said. Would you say that Pumas have a better or worse squad than Veracruz do? <laughs> that's a well right now no <laughs> um you know but, but you, you probably at the start of the campaign would have said they they probably do veracruz you know did brighten a, a few decent you know signings you know and strengthen a bit but you know that they, they are one of the weaker sides in you know in the division mm-hmm. and and relegation should, candidate too yeah and Puma should be should be beating that side even with the uh, squad they have Instead of relying on Castilla to to more or less drag them out of trouble, you know, every week, I don't know it seems like unless he scores at the moment and has a bit of a a blinder, they just don't create anything. They don't really do anything. No, that's that's exactly it. But that's why you need to insert some creativity. I think they needed that leadership that Diaz is bringing. So I think that was actually a very good signing. But yeah, you you're right. I mean, they 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 flat that in the water if there's no one. No one scoring goals. Uh, if Castillo doesn't score goals, no one will, and uh, that's that's not enough. So I think uh, we we had um, scheduled to talk about this a, a little further um, uh, down the schedule, but let, let's talk about Veracruz now. Let's talk about Veracruz and Atlas mm-hmm. because they actually leapfrogged yep. Atlas, didn't they, in, in the the relegation battle uh, at that. That is obviously a credit to Veracruz, you know, that that's a hell of a feat for them. But Atlas are just dropping down and down. You know, this Rafa Marquez thing is just pulling them down, you know, and this could be big, big trouble for them. Could you imagine that they, they could actually go down at the end of the season? They are last in in the standings, you know. Um, I mean, a lot of it will, of course, depend on uh, Lobos. Because Lobos are now on 1.1429 average points. Um, if you don't understand what I just talked about, we discussed this in our first ever podcast. So go back, Golazzo podcast episode one. We'll talk promotion relegation. It's difficult, but, um, yeah. So Atlas are last in the standings. Um, and that's. Very bad news. You know, we talked to Tom Marshall last week on how big of a side they are and how important of a club and how historic of a club. And, um, maybe those people that don't quite know relegation in, in Mexico is not necessarily means relegation. Um, there's of course now talk that promotion and relegation could actually be ended, um, at some point. In the future, I hope that's not the case. I, I believe promotion and relegation needs to exist in order for football to, to thrive. One of the big mistakes that they're making in, in North America is that there's no promotion and relegation in, in football. But there has been rumors that uh, Liga MX may suspend promotion and relegation in order uh, and then grow the Ascenso into a stronger league. I hope that's not true. I really don't, even if it means that a club like Atlas go down, but <laughs> the relegation in, in Mexico is, of course, a bit different. Uh, we have the example of Caratao, uh, who went down a few years back and then just ended up buying the license from the team that went up uh, and then st- ended up staying in the league. So 
there is some very creative mechanisms in Mexican football to prevent relegation. Um, so we'll see if that would actually happen. But I mean, you look at this Atlas side now, they should not be in this trouble. And it really seems that, um, they've been kind of collapsed after this whole Rafa Marquez story. Remember like, when was it three weeks ago? We talked about how, how, um, strong Atlas were, how well Rafa Marquez looked by, besides his age. And now we're talking possible relegation. That's, that's insane. Well, that's it. They won their first two games, hadn't they? Um, obviously, seven games have now been played. They had won their first two. And, I mean, Ollie and I, we, we joked that Atlas and Cruz Azul would be uh, you know, in the La Guia final. Uh, mm. Obviously, joking. I don't think anyone truly would believe that. But they've, they've just come completely off the boil. And, you know, t- since then, they've lost four of five, you know. And, and now three on... Three losses on the bounce. I mean, it's they they need to really pull this together um, quickly. The only thing that will save them is uh, obviously when we mentioned it previously that uh, maybe a team will go and get promoted for from a senior that you know actually can't come up, yeah. you know, uh, and that way they won't come up and Atlas will be saved. But you know, well, first of all, Atlas can't rely on something as as uh, what well, simply as unreliable as that. But um, yeah, I mean, they they need to they need really need to pull it together. Um, I, I I don't know. It's, this is where man management, I think, as a coach, comes into it massively. You know, to pull everyone together like this. Because um, obviously, yes, one player can be um, can be vital for a side, especially one as important and influential as Rafa Marquez, but. You know, really, the rest of the team should be pulling together to to try and resolve this issue, and they just don't seem to have any answers at the moment. But it's a dangerous spiral rise because it starts with that, right? And then you need the shock, and then every every all the team spirit um, and all the team attention goes towards Rafa Marquez and the the potential all, all fallout on that. And then, of course, there's doubt in the club structure because you know we. We're going to have an, actually an article out on what happened to some of the Colombian teams, um, that handed up on the Clinton list. The one personality being involved in this can have major implications for an entire side. So we don't know what's going on in the dressing room, right? And now all of a sudden, so you already have that as an issue. And now this team is not playing to get into the playoffs. They're playing for survival. You know, that's, that's a dangerous, um, dangerous kind of thought pattern to get into, right? Um, if you're a big side, and we, we see this in other leagues and other competitions all the time, that when big teams get uh, sucked into the relegation battle, that they do not as well, you know, because they have to, um, the entire focus has to shift. If you're a big side that's used to success, Playing to, for the playoffs is one thing, but to fight and scratch for points, uh, it's a very different mentality and a very different mindset. And I'm, you know, Veracruz has been doing this now for years. Um, you know, they've done it, of course, last season. And I'm not sure that Atlas have the ability to, to turn the switch, you know, from a team that did very well last term 
went into Liguela, had a heartbreaking defeat to their um, city rivals, Chivas. And are now basically playing a season against uh, in the relegation zone. It's 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 difficult, I think, mentally. Yeah, it's a, but I agree. It's a it can be a slippery slope like this. It'd be a real shame because Atlas, um, as you said, you know, with it with their history and that, and you know what, I last few years when I've been following this league, I've really wanted them to um to well to win their first uh, championship since. Since the 1950s, you know, that what a hell of a feat that would be, you know, and it would be exciting and memorable for everyone. Uh, unfortunately, it's not going to be this campaign, and, oh, God, they mightn't be around for the next one. You know, well, they'll be here for the uh, second half, uh, obviously, the Clasera, but, you know, they may not be around next season. You know, they may be relegated, and, oh, well, let's just see who that is. But, yeah, they certainly need to pull it uh, around sooner or later. But <laughs> talk about, um, well... Big personalities in the uh, dressing room. Uh, we obviously mentioned Rafa Marquez. Well, I don't know how different um, a player could be to Rafa Marquez uh, in Ravel Morrison, who, um, who if, if, if you don't know who he is, you probably do if you're from the UK, uh, if I'm honest. Uh, Manu, you knew very little about the player. Which yeah, I, I can't believe some of the stories you've been telling me. I, <laughs> I can't wait for you to, to tell them on the pod. He is something. I mean, Ravel Morrison, uh, first time I heard of him, he was at Manchester United. He was to be the next big thing. Um, he's a, he's a, Well, he's still a young guy in, in 24, uh, plays in midfield. Um, he's been around a few clubs now, but he, he was originally at Manchester United. Didn't actually make a first uh, team appearance for them. Uh, but Sir Alex Ferguson described him as the greatest youth player that he's ever seen at the club. And he's seen Beckham scores, gigs. You know, he's seen many a players come through, hasn't he? Uh, and he was there for obviously many, many years. The problem with Ravel Morrison is his attitude. His attitude over the years has been appalling. And he has been linked or he's been tied in many, many stories. I mean, there was one even that Manu, I was, I was reading out to you just um, about or back in 2009, I believe. You know, so he must have been very young um, where he was pulled over in a car with two other fellas that that had guns and, and drugs in it. And there were stories like this for years and years. He went to West Ham. He played some games there. He showed promise. Uh, Birmingham, he showed promise on loan as well. But, um, yeah, uh, he, he's, unfortunately, he's got too many problems uh, off the pitch. And he's probably the last type of player Atlas want to wanna have come in. And I, I think probably the best story I heard from it. And, they're slightly, it's a little bit like Chinese whispers, if I'm honest. Uh, the story has been uh, twisted and turned a little bit. But essentially, I had heard, uh, even though other reports say it was while he was on international duty with England, I had heard that when he first went to Lazio, uh, the club were saying, look, his recovery from these games, from a nutrition point of view, is horrendous. And they spoke to his agent and said, Look, the, the guy is not getting the type of recovery he needs, so he's refusing to eat the food that we have here. Um, and his, uh, his agent then spoke to the club and said, well, what, what exactly is he eating? What's he consuming? And they said he won't stop eating Mars bars, which is like a Snickers to anyone in the U.S. without the nuts, so a, a bar of chocolate. 
So the, uh, actually uh, the only nutritional thing in the chocolate bar is already out of it. <laughs> yeah, and even at that, I suppose we're really clutching at straws, aren't we? But yeah, so so take any type of nutrient you may get from a Snickers bar, and yeah, that's going to be minimal. And he was having these these bars of chocolate, eating them relentlessly. Uh, and apart from that, the only thing he was drinking was Lucasade. Which uh, do you have Lucasade um, no, over across the world? That's a UK thing, so you will have to explain yeah. that one as well, Bryce. <laughs> it's Lucasade is kind of halfway between Red Bull and a, even a less healthy version of maybe Gatorade or something. I'll do the FA recommends it. Yeah, which is madness. <laughs> I think you've got Lucasade Sport, which um, again maybe not the most ideal thing you should be having uh, post training uh but say he was having the even more red bull equivalents fizzy drink version which is a bucket load of sugar in as well so he was consuming these all the time uh and they said he won't eat any of the foods here so the agent said no problem leave it with me if he's not uh, being uh well enough fed i'll get on top of it so his poor agent flew back to the uk stocked up on none other than mars bars and lucas is and brought them back to italy um, thinking that all they were suggesting was that he was not eating enough of them. So, I mean, one, the agents, you have to question any agent that would do that. But but two, I mean, you know, a, a kid that's got the talent that he has, that's, that's basically um, shoving Mars bars and Lucasades into his, into his system as well. I mean, that just demonstrates what, what this kid's like, full of talent, but... You know, Manny, you said when he turns up to the land of tequila uh, and, and sunshine and whatever else, and, and well, we've, we've mentioned on previous pods, haven't we, that there's plenty of uh, drug al- allegations go around with the different players, uh, especially the youth players. You throw all that into a guy that was already in cars with guns and drugs and is fueling himself on, on God knows what, you know, over in the UK and, and in Italy. It's, it's just it, it's got it's got disaster wrote all over it. But today he did his medical and and he passed it despite all the mass pass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean to be fair, he's still in fairly good shape for a guy who fuels himself on this. But it, oh. it's just I he's the type of player I'd imagine that we will see maybe score one or two golatas, but then it'll all come crumbling down because of something idiotic that he's done. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe this is the move he needs. Take him away from you know all the press in the UK and Europe. But I, I mean, based on his uh, previous uh, experiences and wow and, and accusations, it's possibly not going to go very well. So, um, but Atlas are a well-run side. They must know what they're getting themselves, what they're getting themselves into. They must think that maybe they can straighten this kid out. And maybe having him all the way over Mexico, you know, if he only eats Mars bar, tacos and tequilas won't be a danger for him. Maybe, just maybe. But, whew. I mean, he would... Well, that, that would be that'd be a hell of a lot more nutrients than what he's getting already. Yeah. You know, to, based on what what I've heard he could do with some of my nutrients to fuel that brain of his. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. I, I am really curious. I mean, I did see that the medical is done, so he is going to Atlas. I guess we'll keep an eye on that one, Bryce. It's, that's really all we can do. 
And yeah, well, that, I mean, it, it, it's a good point. Um, I, I, I heard um, some of the other Liga MX guys point out that it's a good thing for the league, really. You know, it, yeah. we, we always talk about, you know, like Savignac, you know, uh, from France going over there. Now you've got your Honda, you know, going there from Japan. And it, it's a good advertisement for the league. You know, people are going to tune in. They're going to follow these players. So that that's a good thing. Um, it, it might be a good marketing tool for Atlas, but yeah, it's, it's, it could come at a cost as well. He, um, hopefully, um, hopefully it'll be able to sort, you know, straighten him out and we'll, we'll be able to get the best of him because if they can get the best out of him, you know, unlike any other clubs being able to, they could have a hell of a player on their hands. The, the talent is there. Yeah. And he's only 24. So there is still time. There is still time. Um, he was on loan last at Queen's Park. That didn't really work out. That's actually a phenomena that maybe one day we need to discuss. How do Queen's Park always end up with players like Raffle Morrison? That's something <laughs> that just baffles me. But yeah, it. I I can only imagine that you know the likes of uh, well they they had they had quite expensive uh, backers didn't they for a few years and they're based in London. Oh, I don't know. Um. But yeah, not a dangerous did. place to be for a guy with too much money and not enough to do. <laughs> yeah, very much so. So yes, um, we'll be following that closely. And yeah, I'll, I'll be excited to watch his first game if I can watch his first game. Um, I'll, I'll certainly try to. Um, it's just for the phenomena. He could end up being a hero. But let, let's um, let's just wait and see how uh, that one uh Hands out, it's uh, it'll definitely be an, an interesting one. But Matt, we, we we talked uh, a little bit earlier uh, and about uh, Cruz Azul. We, we've kind of mentioned them a few times uh, the last few weeks, last few pods, haven't we? And uh, just about yes, they're, they're always seen as a bit of a, a joke club, but they are one of the original big four sides. Mm-hmm. They just haven't performed very well in recent times. But Yes, they may be drawing a lot of games um, at the moment. They've drew five of their seven, but they're still unbeaten. They drew with Monterey. They were 1-0 up against them uh, this weekend. Monterey, who are having a fantastic season, they've got obviously five wins and two draws, and they're they're flying. The four points cleared tough. But with a little bit more luck, they, they possibly could have won this game. And Cruz Azul are unbeaten since since when is it, Manu? April. So, I mean, that's a that, long that, time. Yeah, Liga MX, you know, uh, yeah. standards, that's that's something else. That's something uh, Paco Jimenez uh, can be proud of. I mean... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're one of two only unbeaten teams in Liga MX, right? The And they played the other one. Uh, yeah, it was them and Monterey. Yeah, and Monterey... There's uh, some people who think that Monterey may go through this uh, apertura undefeated. And there is, you know, point can be made for that. They're very strong, but... Yeah, and I predicted, and I was wrong. Uh, Cruz Azul would lose this game one three. They did not. So good for them. And, uh, it was one one draw, and it was a good game. And Cruz Azul scored first. You know, Cruz Azul have been a real fun team to watch, Bryce. I have to really admit they were boring, they were appalling to watch last season, but they have been fun. They have been a real entertaining team to watch. It's I don't know. It's just, there seems to be a real feel good, positive attitude about the side. And that's good news. I mean, this is one of the oldest teams in, in Mexico. They were founded in 1927 um, as part of the Cooperativa Cemento Cruz Azul. So when you do it down in Mexico, 
and you see the um the cruise azul of course means blue cross right you see the the sign of the blue cross when you're in mexico you actually see it everywhere and you're like oh there must be a lot of cruise azul fans around and it's like well no um it's the how do i explain this the best way it's the equivalent to buy a leverkusen it's a company team founded as a company team and has but still managed to be a real traditional club at the same time. So that's why you see the logo everywhere. It's not the logo of the team, it's the logo of the company and a very strong and powerful company in Mexico. So you see that everywhere. And um, they actually played in the town that is now named after the company. It's called the Ciudad Cooperativa Cruz Azul, which is basically a town built for the headquarters, which is just outside of Mexico. But they moved the team in 1971 to Mexico City. Which makes sense, you know, it's it's a bigger hub, um, that's, there's more people there, there's bigger facilities there, and they had their own stadium there, although they're going to move to the Azteca in 2018 to, to do uh, share with Club America, which makes sense, it's a big facility, there's enough room uh, for to do develop for two teams there. But yeah, so it's, it's really nice um, seeing them somewhat, you know, um, shaking off this, this mantra of you know not winning anything um they the last two titles of course were the 2014 conquer cup champions league title and then 2013 they were on the coba mx but they haven't won a league title since 1997 which is of course where the jokes are coming from right bryce yeah um unfortunately <laughs> i support a club in england which um it goes even further back from then but uh yeah, this is well. It was so meaning I, I, I can uh, sympathise with them. Uh, unfortunately, my English side haven't quite stooped as low as uh, Cruz Azul have over the last few seasons. But yeah, I, I totally agree. I think they've been a, an entertaining team to watch. I think they've invested very well um, in the side last year. I mean, they they drew a lot last year. Uh, they didn't play very well. They didn't score many goals. But this year, I mean. You know, Edgar Mendes. I mean, he's he's been fantastic for them. Uh, I think uh, Felipe uh, Mora as well. Uh, yeah. You know, the Chilean. I I think he's he's going to get better and better. But with, with with these kind of players, you know, you you're looking at you know adding some goals, you know, adding some chances. Um, and yeah, I, I think Paco Jimenez. Um, when when we all thought last year, you know, that it might only be a matter of time before he gets the boot, especially with uh, some of the comments he comes out about you, know, the uh, the Mexican press, uh, you you just thought you know that you know, his, his tenure there can't be for very long, can it? But actually, I've, I've, well, some are suggesting with you know, him making these comments, you know, I've actually distracted from from the squad, and I suppose. In the equivalent in Europe, I suppose it's something that you see the likes of Jose Mourinho do, um, or Jose Mourinho do, um, you know, on quite, um, quite numerous occasions. He's always saying outlandish things, you know, even when his team play badly, you know, so you're more focused on him. And maybe that's something that he's done. And in time, actually, um, that's, that's worked to their benefit. Because um, will they win the championship? I, I don't think they will. I think it's a, a step too far, but... But yeah, they're having a good campaign. I think you know, mm. I've, I've, and I've enjoyed watching them as well. You know, it, it, I'm I'm surprised as, as as anyone else. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I I agree. I think maybe they're for real. Um, keep an eye on that. I guess, Bryce. I think that's that's something that we have to watch because you know. Um, 
it'd be nice to have them come back. But I, I want to point out something nice. We you know, said we were slowly but surely running out of time, but um, there is a new league in Mexican football, and it's doing really well, isn't it, Bryce? Yes, it is. I think that I think this is a yeah. This is, this is very exciting. I I think in recent times we we've seen um, we've seen women's football uh, get more and more popular, get more um, publicity than ever, and this is a fantastic thing. You know, I I think that they deserve to uh, well deserve to be broadcast and and covered um, as much as any of the other leagues because some of them you know, have some uh, fantastic players you know um, um, f- fantastic teams and great to watch great on the eye and yeah they, they seem to have, have really um, headed off in Mexico we we know that um, obviously in Mexico they love their football they absolutely love it but um, yeah we're, we're even seeing attendance levels you know sore at the moment so um, what was that stat that we've seen again that they had um was it 25 or 23,000 people in the stand for uh, uh, Pachuca versus um, Club America? 25,000. 25,000, I mean... Go on Twitter, Tom Marshall, he has the tweet with someone filmed it. It was insane. The atmosphere was unbelievable. Yeah, and this league has some really good football. And there's another stat, Bryce. Um, six out of nine, Liga MX... Uh, wait, the no, the attendance for last night's so that that was of course last weekend, a Pachuca versus America game was higher than of, of six out of the nine Liga MX male games. So that's pretty good. I mean, yes, yeah. it's it's growing, but it's it, that's some really decent numbers. And you know, the the Mexican, the the FMF, the Mexican Football Federation. They, in the past, what they had, they had an association agreement for women's football with the United States that every team in the United States had a certain amount of slots where they had to uh, reserve for Mexican players. Canada did the same thing because those two federations were cheap to have their own leagues. Um, you know, it's called a cattle black because that's basically what happened. They relied on the United States to build a league. So um, Mexico finally... The FMF has finally created a women's league this year with 16 teams. Um, they're all branded after the existing league AMX teams. And it's been going really well. This has been a very good league. And it's something that we're going to keep an eye on. We, we really want to bring in, in the future, in the very near future, a guest who can talk a bit about us as well. I think this is this is exciting. And I, I think it's very good because, you know, the, the growth of the women's game, especially in a place like Mexico, um, is fantastic, you know, and it shows that they can develop a fantastic women's league without the help of the United States is is just as well as well. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic for the game there. And, you know, I think, you know, obviously the U.S. is very popular uh, and the women's scene, you know, soccer. And I can only imagine it's going to be exactly the same in Mexico and you know, the, the popularity of this league it's only going to be great for you know the young women out there that want to you know, have a professional career in football and you know to then go and feature you know, for for their country one day maybe at the likes of the World Cup and stuff. So I I, I think it's brilliant news. It's, it's it's quite refreshing, isn't it? And yeah, guys, um, keep an eye out because I have a feeling that we may report every so often about this um, uh, because it's it's only going to grow more and more. And to be honest, I. Uh, 
I am eager, as I'm sure you are, Manu, to to maybe watch a game or two. So, well, I mean, at the moment, I struggle enough to get some of the League MX games, but if I have the opportunity to watch some of the female games, I'll, I, I'll mm. certainly be tuning into that. You know, the level of it is high. So, yeah, absolutely. Same. I will definitely try to catch a few games. Yeah, well, but, but certainly, uh, we'll certainly try and cover that a little bit more. In fact, maybe in a few weeks, maybe we'll try and get um, a, a specialist in the league on. That would be something else, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I think, well, I think there's plenty more we could talk about, but um, I think that more or less uh, brings us up uh, to the end today. We've, we've babbled on enough. Obviously, it is international uh, break this weekend. Uh, I, I think Manu's right. Try and tune into uh, Mexico away to Costa Rica. I think that could be a, a fantastic uh, game to watch. That'll be the second of uh, Mexico's two games over the weekend. No doubt on Football Grad, we will have a preview for that, as we do already have a preview for the Panama game and many of the other games uh, happening around the world. But Manu, would, would you like to draw the attention uh, to anything else going on this week? I think uh, there's going to be maybe transfer special pods and yeah, all sorts. Just gegen pressing is the special right we're doing that on Thursday. Um, so recorded Thursday it will be out Friday morning, you UK time, I believe. And then we'll have um, a bunch of games um, previewed for Football Grad, Fußballstadt, and Football Siedage. So um, you can find us all very easily on the on the Football Grad live um, Twitter feed or on Facebook. Um, we are also on Facebook um, and we are on Instagram as well. All of that, just simple Football Grad. And I am also trying, and we should probably do this every week. Please, if you, if you like what you hear, uh, if you enjoy our podcast, go to iTunes, leave us a little rating. Um, it helps us significantly to grow, um, you know, grow this, grow the show and uh, bring it to more listeners. Yeah, definitely. And no doubt we'll have, uh, Javier, Oli, uh, and maybe a few other guests, um, coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, for you so um, definitely tune into that uh, apart from that try your very best uh, to enjoy the international break uh, I've been your host uh, Bryce Dunn you can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11 uh, apart from that everything else will be on Football Grad Live uh, on Twitter thank you very much for tuning in and we'll speak to you again soon gift that never gets returned trick question it's three gifts beer wine and spirits and with drizzly you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer wine and holiday spirits then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes and right now drizzly is giving customers five dollars off their first order just enter promo code jingle at checkout download the drizzly app or go to drizzly.com that's d-r-i-z-l-y.com It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's sponsor is brought to you by Nature Made, the number one pharmacist-recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Nourish by Nature Made is a personalized vitamin regimen that removes the guesswork of selecting supplements that are specific to you. Backed by 45 years of science, delivered right to your doorstep, and costing on average less than $2 a day. Nourish is your one-stop shop for customizable supplements. Visit Nourish.com to get started today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.